welcome to this episode of Drug Target Reviews podcast, sponsored by Molecular Devices. I'm your host, Victoria Reese, editor of Drug Target Review. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Natasha Skoko, group leader of the Biotechnology Development Unit at the International Centre for Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology, and Dr. Hugh Graham, Director of Cell Culture Sciences at Macrogenics, to discuss monoclonality in cell lines. But before we start, let's get to know our speakers. Natasha, would you be able to give our listeners a bit of background to yourself? Hi, I'm Natasha Skoko. I graduated in molecular biology and biochemistry and obtained my PhD working on the molecular mechanisms of pre-mRNA splicing in health and disease. Since then, I have been working in the Biotechnology Development Unit at the International Center for Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology in Trieste, Italy, on the development of technologies to produce biosimilars such as erythropoietin, insulin, growth hormone. And as a group leader of the BDU, my current interest is focused on production of biosimilars of monoclonal antibodies, such as trastuzumab, with a particular interest in the cell line development. Thanks so much. Hugh, could you also tell us a bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I've been working in the biotech industry since about 1998 at a variety of companies, both small and large. I've been here at uh, Macrogenics for about four years now. We're a medium-sized biotech company. We've just gone commercial and we have a, a pipeline of various mammalian expressed antibody type molecules and bispecifics that express in Cho cell lines. Uh, I have a group here that does cell line development and upstream process development, and we're moving stuff towards the clinic and into, into the commercial phase. Just one point, I do need to stress, I'm not representing Macrogenics in this, in my opinions in this podcast but uh, I'd love to share my experience with you. Thanks both. It is fantastic to have you here today and thanks for joining me. So let's get into it. I'd like to start right at the beginning by outlining how cell lines are used within the drug discovery and upstream bioprocessing industries. Natasha, would you be able to briefly explain this? The use of cell line uh, made a revolution, not just in scientific research and help in understanding many fundamental biological processes, but they're being used in the biotech biopharma industry for vaccine production, antibody production, drug testing, and uh, therapeutic proteins production in general for decades. Actually, a central pillar of the biopharmaceutical industry is development of biologics that are manufactured from engineered mammalian cell lines. So cell line in general term, it's, it applies to define population of cells that uh, can be maintained in a culture for um, a certain period of time and that they, they can retain a certain phenotype and function and stability. So mammalian expression cell and mammalian cell line is a raw robust and scalable, cost-effective and easy to use and provide an unlimited supply of material in a biotech industry in the production process. So since the first therapeutic recombinant protein, um, human tissue plasminogen activator produced in mammalian cell line in the Chinese hamster ovary cell in 1987, CHO cells became the mammalian cell line of choice in the production process in a biotech companies. In fact, they are behind the manufacture of about 70% of biotherapeutics because they correctly folded and glycosylated proteins with the 
human, compatible post-translation modifications. They offer high productivity and adaptability to large-scale culture with chemically defined media and in suspension. So uh, mammalian cell line and Chinese hamster ovary cell, they're tolerant to variations in pH, oxygen level, temperature, pressure, and that makes them ideal cell line for large-scale culture. Therefore, CHO cells are the gold standard for manufacturing and regulatory approval of therapeutic proteins today. Hugh, do you have anything to add? Sure. So most of the cell lines that we'll be discussing today are obviously mammalian cell lines. There are various expression systems used within biotech apart from mammalian cell lines as uh, microbial systems, bacteria, and yeast. But what we're talking about today is mainly clonal cell lines derived typically from a rodent such as the Cho cell line or BK21 or human cell lines such as HEK293 and BRC6. Most of those are used for making some of the biggest selling drugs on the market these days. So they're extremely well known and well characterized and well understood and widely used throughout the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. Most of them make proteins by secreting the protein into a liquid. Most of them are grown fairly large scale, so thousands of liters to 50,000 liters and uh, in suspension. And the proteins are secreted and then purified in a downstream process. So how exactly then are cell lines developed from a single cell? What does the traditional workflow look like? So in order to produce these high levels of biotherapeutics, stable produced cell lines need to be developed. So one of the essential and the first steps in biotherapeutic production is a clone selection. So traditionally to produce any therapeutic protein, a suitable host cell line is transfected with a gene of interest. So that leads to mostly random integration of DNA into the host genome. And the level of this genetic heterogeneity is further complicated by the use of different selective pressure, metabolic markers like DHFR or glutamine synthetized. And therefore, these cells need to be isolated to derive monoclonal cell lines. So it's necessary to do single cell isolation. So let's assume we're starting with a cell line that's been stably transfected. So it has the genes of interest integrated into its chromosome. And let's assume it's growing in suspension. So the traditional workflow is you would take a pool of cells and plate them out into a 96-well plate, for example, or maybe even a, a larger plate, and spread them out enough such that they're separated into single cells. And that's typically done by a process called limiting dilution, where you dilute the cell suspension to a point where when you pipette uh, a certain amount into a well on a 96-well plate, you expect to have a very small number of cells, and they're usually less than one. The typical number is about 0.3 you target 0.3 cells per well. So that means on a 96-well plate, you should get 20 or 30 cells. And that process of limiting dilution gives you a certain calculable probability that any colony that then grows up in a well came from a single cell. And then regulators for several years now have demanded that that's done at least two times so that once you've done limiting dilution once, you should take your colony that's grown up and repeat the limiting dilution process to have further assurance that your cell line has clonal origin. It's quite a long and laborious process because each cell that grows up from one cell, assuming, assuming these cells double about every 24 hours, to get to 1,000 cells takes 10 doublings. That's over a week. But to get to enough cells to work with, 
you probably have to go two or maybe even three weeks until they've grown up. And then to repeat that, you've gone maybe as many as two months before you've gotten to the point where you can bank the cells. So I wanted to think now about some of the challenges that there can be within this traditional workflow and how they could potentially be overcome. Traditional methods for single cell isolation is typical method that takes months to screen the desired clones. So this is time consuming and has a low throughput and it's very labor intense process. So these are all challenges in this workflow and how that can be potentially overcome. Automation is needed to scale productivity, to address throughput and reduce development time. And recently there have been major advances in this instrumentation that significantly enhance the isolation of high expressing cell line and uh, also provide the documentation of clonal uh, derivation. Hugh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's labor intensive. You need to do multiple plates uh, to ensure you have enough clonal cell lines to choose from later in the process. You don't necessarily choose one just because it's clonal. You may want to screen it later for productivity and for product quality the stability of the cell line is challenged as well, because by the time you've gotten to the cells being two months old, they've been under selection for a couple of months, and there's a chance they will have drifted in their properties, maybe lost uh, some copies of the gene of interest, uh, maybe adapted in some way that you don't like. So cell line stability is challenged by limiting dilution because the cells are, are two or three weeks or two months old by the time you've gotten to the point where you have the cells banked and then you still have to expand them up to use in production. Certain expression systems compensate for that. Older expression systems do include some risks. Tracking all the data from all those plates is another challenge. And then there is still no guaranteed proof of clonality. So that's something that regulators are really moving towards today. So you'll find various demands from regulators that uh, proof of clonal origin is required to be documented at the point at which the clones are deposited, for example, into a plate. So often that's done with a photograph of that well, and there are various technologies available to, to provide that documentation. Clearly, it's important to ensure that cell lines are indeed monoclonal. And I want to dive deeper into this. But before we do, I want to define monoclonality. What exactly does this mean? So monoclonality is a term that describes a cell line that originates from a single cell, from a single progenitor, and is therefore monoclonal. Thanks, Natasha. Hugh, how do you define monoclonality? So there has been discussion in the industry that as soon as cells start to grow and double, especially Cho cells, they are subject to genetic drift of some sort, maybe due to chromosomal reshuffling or introduction of a mutation or a loss of a plasmid. So a banked cell line is not going to be clonal. And the regulators are aware of this. And so what they're really looking for is, is for us to control as much as we can the clonality of the cell line. And that can only really be done on, on day zero when the cell line is, is split into single cells. So we need documented proof that the cell line came from a single clone, and that's as controlled as it can be. Obviously, the growth after that you can control by the use of your selection system, by ensuring that the, the cells grow nice and happily for as many weeks as you need to grow them up. They don't go through, for example, a, a crash in viability, which, which might cause a lot of genetic drift. 
So you try and keep the cell lines in, in, in what's called logarithmic growth, doubling every 24 hours with high viability. But if you don't have that proof of clonal origin, you can't really claim you have what's, what's called a clonal cell line. So how then exactly can scientists ensure that their cell lines are monoclonal or have proof of clonal origin? So the documentation of monoclonality is today a regulatory requirement for therapeutic production cell line and is typically image-based, whereby an image of a single cell is recorded and that is included and then required for regulatory filling. And today in the biotech company, the expectation in production process, the expectation is that the master cell banks are monoclonal. And this clonality, monoclonality is actually part of overall control strategy for product development. It's very important that the characterized bank, cell bank, provide a consistent product. So that's one way of doing it. There are also instruments that will do the single cell deposition for you. Um, sometimes you'll hear them called single cell printers. Other people have used uh, fax machines, fluorescent uh, cell sorters. Um, but there are, there are a few instruments around now that will do the single cell sorting and deposition into wells for you. And there are some very, very fancy instruments available as well that will, will even manipulate the cells, the single cells for you. And there are automation systems that will incubate your plates and scan the plates and do all the pipetting for you as well. And why is assurance of monoclonality or, or proof of clonality important at an early stage? The drug development cycle is pretty long. So there are cell lines and molecules going towards commercialization now that were developed 10 or more years ago. And the cloning processes 10 or more years ago may not have the documentation that's needed or the procedures needed to assure a clonal origin. And so when one takes such a, a process and a cell line to a regulator, the questions may be asked uh, about how do you show that you originally came from from a clonal cell line. If you don't, if you don't have that proof, then proving it later in the project is a lot of work. So one may have to do things like very detailed genetic sequence on a bunch of subclones from your bank to show they're all the same. For example, you can use next generation sequencing or the targeted locus amplification method using using NGS to show that each plasmid is integrated in the same spot, has the same flanking sequences, or you can do southern blotting with restriction enzymes to show that when you cut chunks of your plasmid and the, and the neighboring DNA out, they all look the same. So if you do do that kind of analysis on a cell bank, once again, that cell bank is, is several weeks or months beyond when the clone was originally generated. So there is going to be some genetic drift. And when you do that kind of detailed analysis on a cell bank, you will find some variation. You're trying to go back in time, you know, a couple of months in the cell's lifespan to, to show that it originally came from a single cell. And it's, it's, it's hard to do. So as assurance of clonality is part of, of, of overall control strategy and ensuring product quality administrated to the patients, ensuring process consistency and uh, implementing appropriate control strategy through the life cycle of the products. It's all about minimizing risk and to have a consistent production process and constant product quality. So that's why it's very important to assure the monoclonality at the early stage, because starting with a cell bank that has a high assurance of monoclonality could result in less work later on. 
could uh, avoid the serious disruptions in manufacturing and can uh, reduce uncertainty when it comes to making changes to the manufacturing process. So what kind of technologies then can enable this assurance? So automation and technology, there are, there are lots of systems out there. There are other systems such as um, semi-solid cell suspension that, that some people have used. It has some advantages where you see a single cell growing in a semi-solid suspension and that can be imaged and you can watch it grow into a, into a larger colony. There are things such as cloning rings that people have used where you put a ring around a single cell, a little glass ring on a, on a bigger plate just, just to isolate that cell so it doesn't get contaminated by other cells floating around. Um, so there are lots of different ways of improving one's assurance of monoclonality and the workflow, and it depends on, on what level of technology one is willing to implement or needs. So some of the larger pharma companies will obviously have more sophisticated systems and the bigger teams working on them and automation engineers helping set them up and lots of scientists qualifying them. Well, as we mentioned, automation today is a, is a key point. So first of all, they can use a fluorescence-activated cell sorting that sorts cells one at a time based on fluorescent characteristics. And then that can, can help them to, to assure and to have an evidence of working with a single cell. Then um, the second technologies and methods that are in use today are semi-solid use of the semi-solid matrices for cell colonization isolation and screening. So basically it means selecting the clones with um, secreted proteins in a semi-solid media in a high throughput manner. This could be indicator of monoclonality and or in situ using antibody detection reagents. So, so basically screening of thousands of these clones with the minimal labor and the, the protein expression that is measured over time can, can be one of the methods that, that help scientists today. And and we have also the new technologies in the conjugation with this mentioned method is um, introduction of imaging instruments that would allow high throughput screening of micro well plates and generate images of the freshly plated cells, or uh, they can provide a clear and a traceable evidence of single cell dispensing. So today we have a semi-solid matrices, we have this imaging instrument, we have also microfluidic drop, single cell printing methods and plate images that can reduce a lot the number of microtitle plates needed during the single cell cloning. Obviously, this is an integral part of cell line development. And I'm curious to know more about the technologies that we've mentioned so far. How could the methods and processes currently in use potentially be improved? And what about any emerging technologies? I think that the new uh, techniques are coming and they're already on the market and that is a combination of the single cell isolation and microplate imaging that could be always improved. And this, as I mentioned, single cell printing, they also address this um, shortcoming of limiting dilution or uh, flow cytometry-based cell sorting. They, they offer this image-based evidence for clonality that are very fast, efficient, and they minimize the cost and they have a very extremely low cost of maintenance. So if we talk technology, if we talk about improvement in technologies, this would be more or less technologies that I can see that are going to be improved. 
if we look from the process and product characterization pr perspective, I think that advances in analytical methods to characterize therapeutic protein provide this opportunity for real-time monitoring of the process and process control. And from technological perspective, technological improvements may provide possible path to limit this uh, genetic variation after cloning, and they can improve characterization and monitoring of, of the whole manufacturing process. Nevertheless, incorporation of a cloning step is a useful and necessary step of the holistic cell line development process, serving to isolate high producing cell line and to allow for a well-controlled process that is capable of consistent manufacture of a product to guarantee constant product quality. Yeah, so a lot of the focus in industry is about speed to clinic. So one wants to get one's basic research molecules into clinical trials as soon as possible. Waiting for a clonal cell line to make your protein to go into a clinic is is a barrier in terms of time, and it's often on the critical path of a project. So there's a lot of people who are moving towards the first batches of protein, maybe just used for, for tox studies, coming either from the stable pool or from a pool of early clones. Now, what would be very interesting would be if one could use a stable pool or a pool of clones to make the first GMP clinical material. Uh, there's been discussion of that. I've not had experience of doing that myself, but it does save a lot of time. And then one generates the clonal cell line later for later stage clinical trials and for GMP production. So eliminating that need for proof of clonal origin in early clinical trials is, is very interesting. There are implications around what products, quality, spectrum one has in the early clinical trials versus later clinical trials. There are obviously questions around stability of stable pools. They may not be as stable for large-scale production as monoclonal cell lines. And I don't know if regulators have finally weighed in to approve that or not. What's the role of regulation here? Would you say that these technologies can support the documentation required for proving cell line quality? The impact of regulation on the process is interesting. So regulators uh, typically will not tell you that something is okay to do upfront. They will tell you that you have to have some kind of proof of clonal origin, as we've mentioned before. Uh, they will not, however, tell you that you have sufficient proof of clonal origin, in my experience, until you present your full set of documentation uh, in a regulatory filing and ask for approval or otherwise. And sometimes they, they will push back if there's insufficient proof, and sometimes it just sails through without a comment. So it's, it's really hard to fully assess the input of what a regulator will have on a given, a given project and the, and the set of data one has. Uh, I think it's important, as I mentioned before, to have as much data as you can at the very start of the project, because going back in time to, to regenerate sufficient proof is really, really hard. So regulators have been talking to industry about this, and they have weighed in and said, you know, you do need to have proof of, of clonal origin. What that level of proof is depends from project to project, from technique to technique, and when the cell line was originally generated. Just get the best data you can. Make sure you invest in the proof of monoclonality up front. Don't skimp on that. It's really important for the, the final success of the project. And going back to try and address it without that original proof is, is really, really hard and can cause way more delays 
in the overall project than, than a, an extra couple of weeks proving monoclonality in the first place. So I wanted to ask about where you think this field is headed in the future. What do you think we'll be seeing in the next, say, five to 10 years? Overall, this optimized workflow that saves time, labor, and reduces consumable costs and reagent costs by increasing uh, efficacy while providing, providing higher assurance of clonality and rapid documentation that is ready for uh, submission to regulatory agency is something where the field is headed in the future. So one thing that I think is maybe not sufficiently thought about is qualification of the equipment and the methods used to generate a clonal cell line or a cell line with clonal origin. I think the industry has met the regulators' expectations in many instances. And I think that the technology is in such better shape now than it was 10, 15 years ago that if if we if you invest in it up front, and make sure the, the equipment is used properly and qualified properly and, and all the data is documented correctly, then you have the proof of clonal origin that regulators expect and that the process needs. I would love to know where this field is going in five to 10 years. I think we've we've improved so much over the past 10 to 15 years. You know, we've, we're getting to the point where there are technologies now that are doing a great job of documentation, a great job of single cell cloning. I think, we generate so many clones now uh, that there's so much data coming out of it. Data management is is a key part of any technology. And then screening the clones that are produced is another huge workflow uh, where one, as I mentioned before, you're looking at productivity, you're looking at cell growth parameters, and you're even looking at product quality. So maybe at some point in the future, we'll have a, a technology that generates a clone, gives you proof of clonal origin, and then also tells you immediately how the cells are, or maybe over the course of a couple of weeks, how the cells are growing, how productive they are, and what the product quality is. Mm. And what's the role of automation? Uh, these new technologies that can shorten colony screening time significantly over traditional methods, such as serial limiting dilution, can help scientists really in real time to shorten the time of the clone development, cell line development. We are talking about screening of 10,000 clones in a couple of weeks. If you look at the traditional workflow, that took like a, a 30 weeks or even two years. So today, use of technology really can help us and automated technology can help us to have accurate clones, eliminate errors associated with the traditional limiting dilution, and um, also to help us to overcome working with the heterogeneous population of different secretors. So it's possible to evaluate the stability of the clones from the very beginning and, and avoid working with unstable clones. So this is something that really helps our scientists working in a cell line development field. Yeah, so integration of, of anything that's automated takes time and money. So there are definitely sufficient automated systems available now to improve workflows, to make things um, not only faster, but also uh, broader so that more clones can be screened. So if one only gets, uh, say, 100 clones from from your work, it may not be sufficient to fully 
sample the population of a of a stable pool and you're looking for that golden clone that not only grows well but also has high productivity and the product quality that you are targeting so automation enables you to look at way more clones it enables you to get to that plate of clones a lot faster it enables you to have the documentation a lot better and all of those things do save you time and money Mm. well Thank you so much, Dr. Natasha Skoko and Dr. Hugh Graham for joining me on this podcast and for your absolutely excellent points. It's been fantastic to speak with you both. Thank you for inviting me. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank you for talking with me today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to this Drug Target Review podcast sponsored by Molecular Devices. I've been Victoria Rees, editor of Drug Target Review. Make sure to keep an eye out for our next podcast coming very soon. This podcast is brought to you by Molecular Devices. With its innovative life science technology, Molecular Devices makes scientific breakthroughs possible for academic, pharmaceutical, government and biotech customers. Head to moleculardevices.com to find out more.